on the green with Holly Spellman. Hi there, and welcome to my podcast, On the Green with Holly Spellman and the Power of Positive Golf. Today's guest is Lori Hoffman, who has 30 years experience in executive management, leadership consulting, executive producing, and mentorship in the personalized health and medicine fields. She is interested in catalyzing opportunities to support and empower individuals, organizations, and communities. Today, she is flipping the club and interviewing me. After our interview, today's tip is on how to overcome first tea jitters. Welcome to the show, Lori. Your turn on the tea box, the honor is yours. <laughs> Thank you so much, Holly. What uh, what a privilege it is and fun to be able to join you today. And uh, you know, I've I've enjoyed your instruction and helping and working with me on on my golf game. And I know it gave us an opportunity to hear a little bit about your personal and professional philosophy, uh, which I think led to the opportunity to draw you out a little bit in this podcast. So uh, I'm excited to get to to have this conversation. So. Um, I know there's probably a lot, a lot more questions that uh, I have and your listeners are interested in than we'll have time for. So let's get right to it. Uh, I know you have done a lot of things in your professional life, but why don't you tell all of us how you got started teaching golf? Um, well, it's interesting. Uh, I started golf when I was in high school. My stepdad uh, was a really, really good golfer. And um, I think he saw a potential in me because I was an athlete. And he says, well, let's just go out and see, you know, what your stroke looks like. And then he said, why don't we get you some private lessons and, and let's just work on your swing. And that was great. This was in high school. And to, in order for me to look at being on a team in high school, there had to be a woman's team. But I'm pre-Title IX. So that means that um, there wasn't the opportunity to have a women's team to match the boys' team. So I gave it up for a long time. I gave up golf, except for just fun stuff, for a very long time. I played softball for 24 years. And then uh, I had the opportunity to uh, go over to the Santa Fe Community College. I was looking at um, starting up classes again, seeing what I could do to finish up things. And I was talking to the chair at the fitness department and we were upstairs in, in her um, office and we just kind of decided that we would just let things lay the way they were. And as we were walking out, she said, uh, what is it that you really want to do? And I said, I want to teach golf. I have no idea where that came from. It was just this thought that went straight into my head. And she says, really? And I said, yeah, I think it'd be great. She says, well, come on back to my office and let's sign a contract. I mean, talk about being in the right place, the right time. And so that's, that's how the career started in teaching golf. And then from there, from one class, I built it up. I had probably four classes a semester, uh, both mornings and evenings. And then just, just kept going at it and decided to go into the LPGA. And I've been with the LPGA for 11 years and teaching golf for 21 years. That's a great story. I mean, how often people's journey to what they're doing 
uh, is not like a linear path. And in your case, this sort of moment in which it sounds like you didn't even know that that was going to come out of your mouth. But no. uh, yeah, perfect synchronicity. Well, from there, um, how did you end up developing your philosophy about positive golf? You know, as I said, I, I've been in sports all my life. And um, the real kicker for me, and I, I still remember this plain as day, I can tell you the playground, I can tell you what the cafeteria looked like, I can tell you what my teacher looked like, my PE teacher, but I was in second or third grade and we were playing kickball and my PE teacher, Mr. Powell, uh, said to me just offhandedly, he says, you're a really good athlete. And I took that to heart because it was something that was really, really positive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, growing up, you know, as a child of, you know, my, my, my dad uh, divorced the family when, when I was young. So um, I was looking for a positive and there was that positive. So when I started teaching golf, I noticed how negative people got, they got down on themselves. And I just kept going back, seriously, kept going back to that moment saying, gosh, if I, if I just said, you know, positive things to people, mm then, you know, maybe it'll change their life. Maybe, you know, the job situation wouldn't be as bad. They could see that there's something out there that they're trying for, you know, something new and that they can um, excel at something. Hmm. Yeah, that's amazing that you go back to that very specific memory and how important it was. And I think that's true for so many people that we have no idea how some out, someone outside often of our parents, um, something that they say in a particular moment is, you know, is so important and meaningful. So, well, if we just continue on then, it, I understand now the roots of, of what impressed you about positivity, but you both are a player and a professional instructor. So how do you, like, what does positive golf mean to you? Like, how, how do you, foster positive golf in your students and in yourself as a player? Um, playing is, is basically the same thing. I kind of go out to the course uh, if I'm not in a competition and I tell my students to do this as well. If you're coming out to with the mindset that you're gonna go out to have fun, stay through the course, stay that all the way through. If you have a bad shot, oh, well, you know, the, the, you know, it's a beautiful day out, you know, just try to stay in the mindset that you went out for. If you're coming out to um, maybe have less strokes uh, or less putts on the field, then, then work towards that, ha have a goal. So for me, and, and I'll, I'll give you an example of what happened to me, um, so I was, get, uh, I was playing the city open years ago and I was leading at the turn and I get into uh, hole, I think it was 13. Yeah, it was hole 13, it's a par three. And I landed in, in the sand, you know? And I said, oh, no problem. You know, I, I, I love sand, that's my favorite shot, right? So I get into the sand and I'm hitting out, hitting out, hitting out hitting out 13 strokes later. Yeah, I finally got out and putted it into the hole. Now, this is what we're gonna go to in, in positive talk. So 
we understand that there are negatives that go along with the positive. But at this particular point, I could not get through it. But I did come back the next day and play, and I played pretty well. Didn't win the tournament. I think I came in third. So uh, we're about three years later, and I decide to go for the City Open again. And um, th they had so many uh, entrants that uh, entries that they decided to do a, a shotgun start, which means you start different teams on different holes at the same time. So guess what hole I was going to start on? Yeah, I have I, an idea. <laughs> yeah. So I'm starting on hole 13. Now, first panic set in. And then I thought, you know what? I'm going to turn this into a positive. So fortunately for us at our course, uh, Marty Sanchez links to Santa Fe, we have a nine hole course. And I went over there and I found the hole that was closest to the hole that I was going to start on. And I just started hitting shots, just hitting shots, hitting shots, relaxed. And I went, you can do this. This is no problem, right? I get over, to, we get ready to start the tournament, um, start off on hole 13. I get on the green and I par it. And I went, okay, there we go. I visualized being on the green and parring. I just kept thinking to myself, you know, fairway and greens, fairway and greens. And you'll hear this throughout golf. All you have to do is stay fairways and greens, right? But I started um, playing that way and getting that thought in my head and just relaxing and not thinking about anything else. And I shot the best uh, score I've done in my career. And I won the tournament. Wow, that's, that's very fun to hear those bookends of the three years earlier and what happened. I mean, did you say 13 shots on yeah. 13? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if you were uh, just kind of extending that um, great story and example, so let's say that a listener or me as a student is out and you see that we're struggling and uh, we have our version of, you know, 13 shots out of the sand. What, how do you help coach people like in that moment when there's, you know, frustration and probably feeling like demoralized and getting close to throwing a club and that sort of thing. So I will tell you what I tell my students um, all the time. The best shot in golf is the next shot. So we have to kind of release what we've done before. We already know that's happened. That's in the past. We have to keep going forward. And I'll tell you what, I have seen people do the same thing and go back and par the next hole because it's out of their system. They're like, oh, well, okay, I know that part, but I also know that I can strike the ball well and I can get onto the green and I can putt well. Mm -hmm. So we, it's a huge thing in golf to leave that shot behind. You have to leave that hole behind and, and go on from there. So I try to encourage people not to think about what happened, but let's think about what we're gonna do next. Let's work on our positive you know, stroke. Let's work on, what uh what we know works for us you know it may take uh you five times to get on to to the green i don't care but if it's if it's something that's doable for you then that's what we need to work on we don't need to think about the past we know what we did wrong there we need to work on let's put the positive back into the stroke and that's like such the practice for all of life, isn't it? Like about Absolutely. present, but that's kind of an interesting maybe segue into, you've talked to me a little bit about um, 
about using golf as a, as a practice to extend some of these principles into people's lives. So tell us a little bit about that. I absolutely love that. So I have people coming out and um, you know I have them for a class or I'm, I am instructing them on a personal basis. And they say, I can hardly wait to come out and practice after work. And then, you know, my boss is such a jerk. I'm just going to take everything out on that golf ball. And I'm going to swing as hard as I can. I'm like, that is not anything that I'm teaching you. You know, I'm trying to teach you nice and easy. You know, let's swing through. Let's finish. Let's do our finish. Let's, you know, make it a, a visualization. So what we really want to do is, um, like you were saying, how do I translate to life? Well, I can play golf with anyone and I can tell you what they're like in, in their work situation or in their life. What we want to do, uh, you know, um, my mission statement is to, uh, is, is to translate um, the integrity of golf to everyday life, right? So um, you'll never hear me yell out there. You will never hear me say that was a stupid shot. You know, and once someone comes in and they start saying, well, that was just, that was horrible. And I'll go down the line and I'll say, well, how many good shots did you have? Well, I had one out of 50. Well, guess what? One out of 50, what does that mean? You can do it. So you need to start turning things around in your life as well and say, you know what? Kind of had a bad day on this part, but let's, let's look at what we did right, you know, for this day and not emphasize the negative so much, but emphasize the positive more. Well, you just said something that I loved your mission statement, which I don't think I've heard before about uh, translating the integrity of golf to everyday life. So what does the integrity of golf mean? Sportsmanship, etiquette, um, knowing, knowing the rules. I'm not saying Yes, you know, in golf, we have to follow the rules. I mean, let me tell you the, the rule book in golf, we have the rule book at the, um, at the golf course, which is maybe, I don't know, 20 pages, 30 pages. The rule book for golf in all the tournaments and stuff is huge. It's like two Bibles stacked together. That's how many rules are in golf, right? So what we need to do is just, follow that, follow that there are parameters that we need to be in. Sometimes it's okay to go out of them, but you know, what are you going to do when you step outside of those parameters? What's, how are you going to uh, succeed going forward? Like if I hit a ball out into the woods, I have choices, right? So I have, you know, I can either use a club to move the, the ball out uh, from under the tree I can uh, re-hit the ball, or I can move it back in line with the flag as far back as I want to go. I have choices. You have choices in life too. And mm -hmm. we, yeah, we need to evaluate the choices, you know, not, not everything is just set, you know? And if, like I said, if something goes wrong, you need to look at it and say, okay, where is the positive in this and what direction can I go with this? Yeah. Yeah, I love this, using it as a practice and a translation into everyday life. Um, Holly, what do you love about teaching? That's, I, that's such a, uh, it is a great question. I love teaching. This is what I usually say. I love teaching and I like to play golf. 
I love to see people have fun at it. I love when, um, when the student is out there and they're playing and they're getting good shots in and, and they're having okay shots. But what I like is when they walk off and they go, God, that was fun. That was so much fun. And, you know, I can hardly wait to come back. Um, I'm looking forward to going on to the course. I, I just love, see, I, I, when I teach my classes, you know, uh, I just finished a class yesterday, no, Wednesday, and um, the group was getting together, exchanging phone numbers so that they could go out and play the great 28 or going out and practicing together. You know, I, I just love that. It, it, the it, Again, sorry, it's the positivity out of it. You know, I like seeing them walking off with a smile. Hmm. Well, let's shift and talk a little bit about this podcast. Ah. Um, again, I didn't really know about it, but I've now had the pleasure of listening to a couple of episodes. So what are you trying to do with this podcast? Like why in the sea of all the things you're doing, why did you want to do a podcast? The whole sea of teaching golf. <laughs> um, actually, I think it's just great to, you know, I don't think I've heard too many podcasts out there on golf that are strictly about positivity, you know, um, and just really focusing on the positive part of things. You know, um, I also like to incorporate what um, women are doing. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be teaching, doesn't ne necessarily have to be the pros out on the course. Um, but like um, general managers, they're few and hard, few and far between general managers, women as general managers, um, and uh, uh, grounds superintendents. You know, um, it's just there's a lot out there that um, I think women that are interested in golf uh, and in their younger years could actually think about and make a career out of. Uh, so is it fair to say that in part, in addition to the positive golf, you're also trying to both shine a light on and bring in voices that people might, might not be familiar with in the golfing world, as you said, GMs and, and other roles that women are holding? Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, some of the podcasts that are, that are going to be coming up, um, I'm going to have, um, we're going to talk about uh, scholarships for women you know, from high school to, to college. Um, and I think that's just really important. You know, I think women to this day still, still get left behind, you know, I mean, I don't know of anybody that talked about the women's open that happened last weekend. It, it was an amazing show. It was really, really good. And usually when I have my classes and stuff, I, I ask them to watch the women's golf over the men's golf, because you'll see more of the game. And if, if you um, watch any women's sport, you're going to see more of the game. It's not run and gun. It's not, let's see how far we can hit this ball. You know, women traditionally are not long ball hitters. Um, and men are, you know, that's what their whole focus is, is to, to hit the ball really far. Um, and I shouldn't say the whole focus, but that's what people are focusing is, how far are they hitting the ball, right? So men are generally 70% in the fairway on the pro tour. Uh, women are anywhere between 83 and 85% in the fairway, right? They have a magnificent short game. Mm -hmm. And if, if you wanna see the totality of, of golf, 
that's I'd encourage people to watch women's golf. Okay. And I know we'll come back and, and talk a little bit more um, about the podcast. Um, but just a couple other questions before we turn it over to you for some other uh, topics for you to discuss. But I know you have, um, obviously, in northern New Mexico, you run classes. So this is kind of two questions. I'll just unpack them both and you can address it however you'd like. But one, as people finish up a class with you, like what's your advice to listeners who have done classes with you? Like, okay, I've done the series, I've done the classes, like now what? And then I'll wait and ask you the other question in a second. Um, if they feel like that they need some more instruction, I always encourage people to come out and see me on a personal basis, that's great. Or if they feel like that they're not ready for that one-on-one, -on -one, come back and, and join the class again. I do encourage though, that you need to get out and play. So we can, I mean, the driving range is awesome because you can hit off to the left, you can hit off to the right, you can hit, you know, 6,000 yards, but to get onto a course and feel what that feels like, because the driving range is huge, right? But when you get onto a fairway, it's about a third of that driving range, you know, width wise. So you're out there and you're going, oh my God, what's happening here? And then you start learning how to, what I'm talking about, focusing and targeting and where do I want this ball to land? So I always encourage you to go out and play. Okay. And then for people that aren't in Northern New Mexico, I know your podcast, you're attracting listeners from all over the world. And I think you told me there's a whole European contingent that's right. uh, starting to follow you. So for those people that don't have a personal experience with you, um, what uh, what sort of advice would you give to them from a distance remotely? Absolutely, if you're interested in golf, um, seek out lessons. You will you will you will hear this from every professional out there. Seek lessons because I know a lot of people go out and they you know and I I get this a lot. Oh, I went out and played with my buddies and they told me you know, this, this, and this. And I said, okay, so I'm going to tell you something. I am with the LPGA. I am a trained professional, trained teaching professional. They actually train us how to teach. So what you're hearing from your body uh, buddies is what they learned and what sounds good to them to help you. But it, it's only what they're learning. We are trained to see what is going on in your swing and how we can help you. Right. Mm -hmm. So obviously go get some lessons. You know, I can just relay uh, what you just said, um, I think is so important because I've certainly had the experience of someone translating their perspective on what they think. So here's the specific example that you worked with me on is, is actually my lining my feet up, you know, for a shot, which I was doing completely wrong based on what someone else told me. So in two minutes of working with you, you know, that was corrected and I understood why to my own brain. It hadn't been translated, you know, third and fourth party. So yeah, that's, I think, a great, great advice. Um, I know there are a couple other things that, uh, that you wanna talk about, including your nonprofit and then you have a golf tip. So why don't we turn it back over to you? And again, I just wanna say thank you that I think this was really enjoyable for me. Um, and I hope for listeners who get a chance to have you really front and center as the as both the expert and sharing your perspective and philosophy and clearly not just your passion for the game, but the way in which you want to support 
um, translating these practices into everyday life. So thank you. No, thank you, Lori. I really, really appreciate it. And thanks for bringing up uh, my nonprofit. Uh, my nonprofit is Golfer Girls and it's uh, golfergirls.org. You can find it and you can find it on my website, which I'll give you the information again uh, here in a little bit. But it's kind of like uh, for me, uh, being that little girl, uh, you know, second grade, third grade, having Mr. Pal tell me you're a really good athlete. Girls uh, still don't have that opportunity as, as much as men. And, uh, you know, I'm not beating up men. I'm not doing any of that. I am just saying that the opportunities are not out there as much for, for girls. So I um, do a lot of work with um, Girls Inc., uh, it's a nationwide organization. We are actually in the uh, workings of trying to get Girls Inc. nationwide through uh, um, the LPGA and Golfer Girls. Um, I've done summer camps for Girls Inc. for the past 10 years, and it's always an enjoyable thing. But it's also something that some of these girls would never, ever think that they could be uh, set up for, you know. Oh, well, you know, that's for rich people. That's for, you know, I can't go to a country club. I can't go to a private club. Well, you know what? Yes, you can. And if you get the exposure and you get, you know, women out there telling you that it's okay to, to have these, these ideas of being able to do something that you didn't think you were able to do, it's so important. And that's, that's what the Golfer Girls is about. Um, I, again, another um, just slight story on that. I was also in um, Parks and Recreation a, in Albuquerque. And um, that's where I would go because my mom was working. And so she sent me off to Parks and Recreation and I learned uh, softball there. And if it had not been for my, the, we called them leaders at that time, leader, she was just such a, a wonderful, caring, encouraging person. And um, that's what I hope to do is I hope to encourage girls that sports are available to them and especially golf mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and to let them know that there are scholarships out there for them and uh, that there's, it's, you don't have to be, uh, you know, super great to be uh, uh, getting a scholarship into college for golf. You just have to have experience and the right direction to get there. Hmm. Well, can I ask you what, just one question about Golf for Girls before sure. you go on to the, to the tip? Um, if people are interested in like making a donation or supporting it, how, how do they do that? They go to golfergirls.org and there's a donation button in there. We also, we're a nonprofit, so we do have a nonprofit number um, and that's included in the uh, website and, um, or you can uh, mail us a check you know, to our PO box, but uh, I certainly encourage donations. Uh, we started this right at the beginning of COVID. We got hit pretty hard with that uh, as well as everybody else. I understand that, but we're in our foundation years, uh, founding years, and we're really looking for donations. And oh. uh, hopefully, uh, you know, I can get back out there and, and start going to different states and uh, building up the program for Golfer Girls as well. 
Good. Well, just so we don't leave people needing to just go to the website if they want to just send a check, why don't you just tell people right now what that address is, the P.O. Box? Okay, so you're going to send it to Golfer Girls, P.O. Box 5243, Santa Fe, New Mexico, 87502. Okay, great. Well, thanks very much for that. And uh, I can go back to you for the golf tip. All right. Thank you, Lori. I really, really appreciated this. This is was a little different, but yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks. Very fun for me. Good. I'm glad. That was really fun. Uh, I was uh, really happy that Lori suggested this and, and I really appreciate Lori too. So now to today's tip, overcoming first tee jitters. Everyone is nervous on the first tee. It's natural. We have people watching us not only within our own group, but the people behind us getting ready to tee up. So let's not think about them and let's relax into our own pre-shot routine. As you step up to the first tee, step up just a tad slower, not game penalty slow, but just a bit slower than your normal. Tee the ball up and calmly step back into your think box. Look out calmly towards the fairway. Consider your options, then visualize your outcome this is helping you become focused and confident. With your target chosen, set up for your next shot just a bit slower than usual. Line up, see it, take dead aim, swing, and perfect drive. Feel that great shot, internalize it. A pre-shot routine on the first tee can save your round. Establish a pre-shot routine for all your shots and I'm confident your game will improve. Please visit my website, newmexicotetogreen.com. That's N-M-T-E-E-T-O green.com. You can email me at hollyonthegreen at gmail.com. And again, please visit my nonprofit website, golfergirls.org and consider donating. Until next time, see you on the green. On the green with Holly Spellman.